Did you see the the story about the little girl who found the sword in the lake in Norway? She was just like Last walking along the beach with her dad and was like, "Hey, dad, look it!" And she lifted an ancient sword from the lake, and, was and it like held together. Yeah, I feel like it would have like they like gave it, it to a museum. Or something. Well, it is pretty rusty. The, like it looked like a stick, and she picked it up, and it was a sword. And she was like, "Dad, look!" And then I think that girl might be king now. <laughs> well, except she gave it to the museum. Technically, the lady in the lake gave him Excalibur after he was already king. Right. So I uh. think she just means. She is a king somewhere. She just also, doesn't know about it yet. <laughs> the Lady in the Lake didn't give him a shitty rusty sword. No, but I feel like the Lady in the Lake's getting desperate now because this happens a lot. <laughs> like, I was say, keep someone just swords. become king. Why don't any of you want to be king? Just because so, some broad in the lake throws a scimitar at me is no way to run a government. <laughs> Make believe. That burned down. <laughs> we talking about a stool softener? No, we're not going no, back. No, we're not to that. going back again. <laughs> Welcome we're to still make... stiffener. I guess. No. <laughs> Welcome to make believe money. I'm Liz. I'm Damon. I wish I wasn't here. <laughs> I have to but keep... I'm also Dan. Dan. Now I have to keep in the part about where Damon talked about stool stiffener. Because <laughs> otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You don't this edit is just that a lead much. up to doing you know. a year worth sort of episodes and then quitting. Yes, we're just oh. slowly getting terribler and terribler, so we have an excuse to be like, "No, we're out." But hey, Mazel Tov! This is one year's worth of episodes. Is this it? This, this is, is fifty-two. Oh, oh, I wish we had something more exciting planned. Well, we, we did. Don't. We did start talking about stool softeners, so and how we all kind of feel bad. So you know, yeah, get with it, we're kids. Crunchy <sighs> and old, and we've been here a year. <laughs> My hand is almost down to normal size again. Damon got bit by a bug, and his hand swelled up and looked like a cartoon hand. And he kept going, ha ha, at me, and I hated it. <laughs> um, it's oh, not that I'm, I, on, this, I'm on swords of medicine. I got steroids. It's not that I couldn't make a fist. It's just that my I was done making a fist a lot sooner than I was. Yeah, because your fingers parts, were like 90 degrees yeah. instead of the full like yeah, clench. Because his poofy parts all um, stuck up. But it looked like uh, I looked like Bluto, like from the from wrist the, down. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm horribly ill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kill me. <laughs> The agony is terrible. <laughs> Give me the sweet release of death. Oh. But you're better now. I am better now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so happy one year anniversary of this podcast. All of our bodies are falling Where apart. Where we still haven't talked about what we're talking about today. Yeah, what today. are we talking about today, Dan? We're going to talk about the Americans. Ah. Uh. Oh. There it is. And we're actually going to talk about the first episode. Oh, A, oh. because I don't want to ruin anything for people, and no, B, good. because there was a money thing like right in the first episode. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, so. yeah, I remember. No, I just said I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it. Oh, you remember. No. I, but, but maybe uh, I Which do. We'll, we'll get into, but okay. uh, maybe do plot and ratings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. And where um, we are in watching it. Uh-huh. Um. So, basic plot premise is that these two people, Elizabeth and Philip, which is not their real names, but <gasps> is their real names now, they are Russian spies. <gasps> you find this out pretty quick, that they uh, were recruited to this thing in Russia and brought over to the U.S. in the 70s? 60s. 60s? 
Well, the show takes place in the 80s. But they started... They start yeah, I think they're the, there in the 70s. They get put... The, they've been married and married, quote-unquote, together for 20 years. So then, yeah, probably yeah. in the 60s. In the 60s sometimes. Yeah. Reagan... They were there during the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. and that's in, like, the And they have 80s. a teenage daughter. And they have a yeah. teenage daughter. Who's herself an American. Right. Yes. Was born like, in America. Legitimate. Does not know that they are yeah. Russian yeah. spies. So the premise is some... they've been, like, sleeper... Not sleeper agents, but, like, undercover no, agents sleeper. for... Well, I guess, yeah, not sleeper. They know what yeah. they're they doing. They know what they're but... doing for the uh, KGB, and they've been there for 20 years living this fake life as, a like, a family, and they have two biological children who have no idea that they are uh, spies in any way. And they're, like, deep, 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 deep. Deep, yeah. deep, super deep, undercover. Deep, 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 deep. <laughs> <laughs> All the deeps undercover. Uh, like, can't even wear red shirts undercover. They're like not allowed to speak Russian for the rest of their lives. Yeah, weird how the actors don't know Russian, and the spies aren't allowed <laughs> to speak Russian at all. very helpful. I think in flashbacks, Queer. Carrie Russell sometimes has a Russian accent, but, like, um, Matthew Reese doesn't even try. And yeah. I'm like, it's for the best. Well, and I, like, every time they're in a flashback in Russia, he, like, they, like, she says, like, one word in Russian, and they're like, ah, for no your training, Russian. you gotta speak you English. Gotta stop that. Not to not to give too much away, but anytime that Philip's character like has to like confront his like actual born national identity, he like soften he like falls into this soft Russian accent and is like, guy, like you wouldn't do this. Like this <laughs> why are you making this choice right stop. now? Like, <laughs> you're only distracting me here, honestly. He's a treasure, and I think he's the best on that show. Seriously. Yeah, he's my favorite part. He's but my like, favorite part, too. So far, I would agree, yeah. The yeah. one weirdest thing that he does. Um, but, so they they live in this suburban town in Washington. and Yeah, I think they live in Virginia, technically. Yes. I think they're in, like, Alexandria or somewhere yes. nearby. Yeah. Uh, and directly across the street from them, a FBI agent moves in, and his whole thing is tracking down Russians and... That's the premise of the show. And then this is a big cat and mouse game. Yeah, because yes. he's Otherwise looking known as for the Cold War. Yes. <laughs> so it's like mirroring the Cold War, but small. Because uh, he keeps looking for Russians, and they are Russians. The end. And no spoilers, because uh, the show it recently just ended. Finished the summer. And, and one it's a bunch, very good. The reason that I actually, I just started watching it, not to like preempt my rating, but because it won like a bunch of Emmys. Um, and has been for a while, I think, or at least for yeah. the last couple of years. And I'm like, all right, I should go see what all the fuss is about. I mean, it's a stunning show. It's like, excellent. Very we well We can written. start ratings, but like um, Liz and I got, I forget where exactly, but we're up to season five, four or five. Um, so. And only stopped because of the wedding and like haven't had the opportunity yeah. to like get into television again, really. Um, really my chief regret about getting married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the terrible lack Hands of television. Down. Yeah. I really missed out on TV. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, I was having a wonderful time uh, clear through that. I would give myself quite a high rating because, like, I feel like I've done a lot to, like, keep pace with the stuff that's been revealed to us, but like, I haven't finished the series yet, and I, I don't know how it ends. So. so what rating would you give yourself? I'm going to have to give myself, like, a six then because, like, I don't know what I don't know, you know? Yeah. So. Spooky. Yeah. Uh, but that said, I've, what I've watched, I've watched in the last, like, four months, so. Right. It's That's been fair. recent. I would say you're probably about the same boat. Um, I have loved it very much. Sometimes it gets a little too hard. Like, it's just sad. <laughs> uh, but the, the story is really good, and uh, the, like, dynamics between all the characters are really well written. And, like, this is a show from FX, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I feel like FX does really cool shows anymore, like that and... Um, uh, 
friggin' what's it called? Legion is pretty good in that way where like you can get kind of adventurous about how you tell a story for TV. They do Fargo too, don't they? And they do Fargo, yeah. yeah. And I fucking love Fargo. Oh my god. I've only seen the Americans and well, give your give your like. Oh, my reading number. is probably a six also. I'm gonna go like a four. Okay. Um, because I only just started watching it and I am only like in season three. Okay. I think I'm early in season three. So far, I like it a lot. I only have one kind of complaint. I'm like, not, I know it's really good and everybody really likes it. I'm struggling a little bit, not with their pacing, but like with their conflict because every episode feels like they're about to get caught. But yeah, I know they have six seasons and it just it, like it feels like it's not the don't know what's going on ramp up really tense and resolution it just feels like it's always at that really tense yeah agree which is on one hand kind of like burning me out a little bit because i'm like feeling tense but at the same time i don't get like a resolution of like oh they're not going to get caught but i also don't get a oh they're caught now let's see what happens and again maybe in later seasons like they do or they get out of it but like it's just like right? there's a, like every <laughs> It's all like one, like one tense level. Yeah, yeah, one gear, if that makes sense. And it's a good gear. I like it. I'm gonna watch the whole thing. I just like can't. There's certain episodes where like something happens to try to escalate the tension that doesn't feel like it hits me as hard as it should because I'm already like, I know right. you're worried about getting caught. So yeah, this makes it slightly more likely. But it's not like you were just like at home making a sandwich and now you're like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? It's like you were already doing something extremely dangerous that continues so to be <laughs> extremely dangerous because it's extremely dangerous. Well, this makes me like, wonder if like, uh, if we were watching it while the show was actually being aired, if we would feel more tense about it, because like, I think that there were threats of it getting canceled mm -hmm. occasionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, although I know it was like critically well received. I think it was kind of that like critics darling that people always liked, but just not enough people were really watching it. Mm -hmm. And like, it kind of fought for all, I think they got the last two seasons on like a platter at, at the same time. Okay. But like before that, it was always kind of like the typical fighting for its life a little bit. Yeah. You know. I also feel like the episodes themselves, like they don't have a clear beginning, middle, and end to the episode. Like sometimes the credits would start after someone had like a regular conversation. You'd be like, "That's a weird place to end this," and I wonder like. Uh, if that contributes to feeling like everything is constantly so tense and there's never a break. I also wonder if, honestly, just like the way we watch TV now is different enough that it changes a little bit, right? Like, because there is no, like, oh, what's going to happen? I have to wait a week to find out. Yeah. I just, like, they're all on Amazon, so I just, even if I'm like, oh, I need to run, I can't watch a full episode, but I'll watch the first five minutes of the next one, which will resolve what currently is happening, introduce me to the new problem, and then I'll see how they are our gang gets out of these shenanigans like later in the day. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. it's never like a dun, dun, dun. And, and now I have to wait and think and to, you know, what would I do? Like, and if this show started in 2012, like streaming hadn't really taken over the way that it had not quite yet following that, you know? Cause like, uh, I think when this started house of cards was just about to like drop, which was the first we're going to watch all of it all at once type thing yeah yeah i just wonder you know. if netflix and i'm sure they have they have a lot of smart people making a lot of money but i like i wonder if they'll ever because i know they've been moving more and more to like we just dropped a whole season of a thing that we produce let us know if you like it and we'll make another one mm -hmm. but like it'll be interesting to see if they ever occasionally go back to we're dropping one every they do that x amount of time just to like try to be like because we're building tension and we want 
that to like arc through. Yeah, like if you have those choices um, available to you. Like if you have eight hours to sit down and watch everything of a thing, it's over. You know what I mean? Like, well, like they do do episodic things, but it's mostly with their current events stuff. Like I I think Sarah Silverman's show and Michelle Wolf's show on Netflix are both like they'll be updated once a week. I think there was like another show that did that too, but it's not usually their fiction stuff. Yeah. And this sort of makes me wonder if like the way that streaming and binging things goes, if we will maybe do away with having episode breaks and do like act breaks instead. And you just have one long eight hour piece of media, you know, I don't know. know. I wonder if that would be hard to make just because doing an episode, like I like what they're doing with episodes no longer being, they have to be 40. They have to be 20. They can take 30. They can take 15. They can take an hour, whatever they need to tell the story. But I think, it would still be better to, even if it's like part one is eight sections, you don't fall into the trap of like, it helps you with pacing, I think. There's sure. no like long two hour lull in the middle where you're like, why are we doing this? Like if you're forced to sit down and make every part have a little bit of its own rising action and conflict. Then you keep you, the there, pace going. There isn't the ever a break where you're like, okay, so if I didn't watch hours four to five, I would never care american gods i think the (laughs) i think the marvel netflix stuff struggles with this quite a bit where like they will they don't divvy up the conflict across like all the order like if they have an order for 13 episodes like they like i know luke cage did this famously where like the primary conflict of the series was over on like episode seven Mm -hmm. and then they had six more episodes that they had to fill out you know so it was sort of like a season two and a season one. it was kind of like a season two and a season one but like i think it i think it's creators who aren't yet prepared to understand that that's the the actual lease they've been given it's like you're not telling a season story over the episodes we're giving you like you have an opportunity to either tell like one story and however long you want or you get 13 little stories like Mm -hmm. I think that one story will be more important or a bigger part of it of like, you know, because there is a lot of like older things where it's like, oh, we have to have this reaffirm, like reestablish villain come back or whatever. Because that's like now you can kind of be like an episode or a season is is a story. And when I'm done with it, we can come back to this world and tell a totally different story or we cannot. Or to your point, we can tell like 13 stories in it. But like we don't have to, you know kill a main character at the end of season one so that people will come back six months later to watch season two because we can either just not make it or we can drop them at the same time or they don't have to even be structured into seasons. They can just be 30 parts or five parts or whatever the story takes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was thinking about that with... Um, we were watching The Good Place earlier. and like, I love that show. It's such a good show. It's The episodes are just titled, you know, part whatever. 21 or like, whatever. I think we're on yeah. like part 30 at this point. And like, I think that that is going to make it so much simpler to digest going back. Like if I were to ever start the series over, cause like aside from like season one, the conflict is laid out. Like, you know, like you reach the conclusion of the season in the final episode. Right. Um, but like, otherwise like it is, is kind of like this ongoing like struggle and like the settings kind of shift and the challenges are different like season to season. But like, it is just sort of this one story unfolding, you know, separate from the order structure of how many episodes we're doing this year, you know? I think it's just interesting to see that, like, with streaming and being able to go back and watch things so much easier, how people are, are structuring their stories 
to be like better digested as a whole, like where when TV started, you know, you'd never see it again. Yeah. So like you didn't have to worry about whether or not people could check your continuity or whether or not like the whole arc mattered because people were just paying attention as it happened. And like, I don't know. It's just a lot more interesting now. Uh, so did yeah. you give a rating there? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I do. I think I said a four. Sorry, we took a long tirade, but I do think I said a four in there because I have watched just the three seasons and okay. like I like what I have watched, but I haven't watched it all yet. Uh, so all that said, where's the money in all this? Dan? Yeah, yeah. So in season one, episode one. So I'm gonna not really spoil a, a ton. Otherwise, it's called the pilot. The pilot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but because I thought you knew the title of the episode. It is. It is. Is the it pilot. also called the I think pilot? It's, just it's called, called pilot, pilot. But yes. <laughs> um, but I, if I ruin one, the first episode, I don't feel too bad about it. No, but. and maybe no. this will get some more people to watch. Yeah, it, it is worth a watch. But anyway, uh, they capture like a turncoat, basically. Um, yeah. There's a, another, I don't know if he's a spy or an official. There's some he sort of defector. He's a general. He's yes. a Soviet that's, general. Okay, that's what it was. But he basically defects. Mm-hmm. And like their job is to. The in theory capture him, send him back to Moscow, so they can like be repatriated. Well, show this like terrible punishment that happens to traitors, but failing that, kill him. They do their jobs well. They manage to capture him, and he basically tells them that he got three million dollars for defecting, and like if they each turn themselves in and like give all the information they could and gave him back, they could probably get three million for each of them and another three for him. So up to in theory nine, nine million. million. Um, and they're stuck with him, right? Like, there's something, there's some... They missed the boat to get him. They literally missed the boat that was going to send him back (laughs) to Russia. Yeah. Um, So they, like, have him in the trunk of a car, like, trying to figure out how they're going to repatriate him. And they're, like, struggling to figure out, because I think there's a bunch of mess about, like, uh, having trouble communicating with their handler. Oh, right, yes. He's he's hurt, but they don't know if he's killed. They they, drop him off at a hospital. hospital, So they're afraid maybe he got found, and it's like currently ratting them out right. so like that's like an ongoing thing i feel like a lot in that series a lot of like somebody disappeared we don't know if we're in jeopardy or and you not. can't like go ask anyone right because yeah. they'll yeah. tip the hat to the, who you yeah, are people and there's might like show up or they might not like and it's the 80s so like you literally only have telephones to figure that kind of stuff out right with, you know it is funny to watch this show though because like i mean in this day and age you just get burners but the amount of time they spend at like pay phones I'm like, oh, oh, right, those things. Right? Yeah. And that makes me wonder about, like, when you're a kid and you see people at payphones, like, are they, are they all spies? They're all spies. They're 100% all spies. Of the time. Not a spoiler, but, like, later on in the series, Philip gets tasked with doing something with the computer, and he's like, a what? Like, Yeah, they yeah. have to explain yeah. to him what a computer I'm is. I'm sitting <laughs> right this point right now where they're like, you have to put something on basically the equivalent of, like, we'll become the internet. And they're, like, trying to explain to him what it does and, like, why he needs to be in it. And, he's and they're like, all like, what? Yeah. I, I, remembering in my, like, watching that and remembering, like, this would be, like, if, like, one of my grandpa's friends was asked to do this when yeah. Yeah. he was by my age. age. Yeah. Like, <laughs> somebody who was born in the presumably, like, 40s, 40s or 50s yeah. to be in his, like, 40s and the 80s. Yeah. It's like when we're going to be asked to like take down someone's weird optical nerve drive. Yeah. And we'll be like, excuse me, what? I still think we'll be more prepared for it. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, this is like going from having no lights to having electric lights in your house. Like, yeah, I say that, but I have no idea like what technological, like I'd say, I'm sure everybody says that though. I'm sure everyone's like, well, it's changed so much in my lifetime. I'll stay hip. But like, even my mom is pretty technologically savvy. And I think like, it just like happened the changes started happening early enough in her life that she got used to. Because I don't think it's like 
the technology that's hard. It's like adapting to the pace of change. Yeah. That's hard. And you know that I mean? pace keeps getting exponentially. Like the distance between new innovation, like new innovation is the distance between innovations gets An like old innovation. Progress- yes. <laughs> gets progressively smaller uh, as we go along. So like crazy, amazing things are happening all the time. Did you see that Boston robotics, uh, Parkour robot. Parkour robot that could just like walk upstairs and run around on two feet. And I'm like, don't, don't. I follow the Jurassic Park rules. As soon as they can open doors, it's toast for the human they race. They can open doors. I know. <laughs> I just, so I, that's sorry. one of my favorite parts Here's about Jurassic doors, Jurassic, Jurassic doors. Jurassic doors. Jurassic parks where they keep saying <laughs> things raptors can't do. And I'm like, you know, if no one had ever said what a raptor couldn't do in that movie, it would have ended very quickly. That's why that movie's about feminism. They'd just been like, I think he can get through a door. The raptor just would have been like, eh, I don't know how. Because all those dinosaurs are girls. Yep. It's a feminist yeah. movie. They're like, these women can't do those things. And those women were like, we're going to break the dinosaur glass ceiling. I think our and only... And they literally broke some glass ceilings. And they broke some glass ceilings. <laughs> and <laughs> some glass floors. <laughs> our, like, one defense is I don't think that the robot who can open doors and the parkour robot are the, are the same, same robot. robot. But so. it, but one of them is like dog shaped and one of them is people shaped and you know how that goes like it's just a matter of time before no, Liz, I don't know before how that goes. domestic like before we get domesticated dog robots to like a human robots best friend you know what I mean anyway I'm worried about the robot <laughs> so nine million dollars so here's what I basically did because this happened in February of 1981 so obviously. For not again, we'll just spoil this one episode. They don't take the money, but one of the partners is thinking about it. They're like, yeah. This is a hard life. We have kids. Like, we could just take $9 million, live an awesome life, and call it a day. Yeah. We actually know market returns from 1981 to basically now, because in theory, uh, I just ran it through. I think I ran it through now. Um, so, because that would be what, like another thirty years, so they could still be alive easily. They'd be in their yeah, 70s. they'd be like grandparents' like, age. That yeah. be so bad. So I basically took the I took three, six, and nine million, gave them some asset allocations, and basically said, what would their money have been worth? Okay, so if if they ran, could they have lived on it forever, kind of thing? Right, because okay. in theory, most of the time, right, obviously three, six, nine million would be plenty to live on in retirement. Sure. I think we can all agree on that. Um, the I think I can make a pretty good go of it right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't know. If anyone wants to give us that amount of money, yeah, just we'll to find see. out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I will say the rule of thumb, quote unquote, and there's much more sophisticated software that runs you through a lot of scenarios. And like, if you're nearing retirement, that's probably something you should consider looking into. But the point is, like, the rule of thumb roughly is that you want to take somewhere between three to four of your retirement portfolio every year. Three to four percent. Yeah. Is like a good long-term sustainable gives you an idea of what you can live with sort of thing. The thing there being though, that is assuming in most cases, a semi-normal retirement of like 20 to 40 years. Yeah. This is them in theory needing to live for 50 years, 50 or 60. Yeah. That's a long time. Depending on how, what exactly their ages are in modern medical science. Though not to put like a, the kibosh on this episode, but chances are good. If they were tasked with hunting down a defector, the and in future episodes, no spoilers. They're also tasked with like finding people who have like tried to run away. Like, yes, I don't know that they would get 50 years after them. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I get what you're saying. Kids might get more. Yeah. But not them. Their kids probably w- could have lived very happily on that, that <laughs> nine million dollars. Yeah, you gotta wonder if the government would have taken it back, and like they didn't give us everything we paid for. We did talk about how you don't get to keep the money in a crime. So like, if they get taken to Russia, 
then it's like you don't get to keep the money from your crime that you committed against Russia. Well, they would have gotten the money from the U.S. government. No, 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 I know, so, but yeah. like defecting from I don't Russia. I think the U.S. would have seen it as a crime. But not so. the U.S., but the but the Russians. Like that's what I'm saying. Well, you don't if get you to keep get the money because you're in Russia and they use rubles, they, babe. But you can't. <laughs> well, because they murder you. Exchange. Also, you'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, larger point here. Uh, maybe not worth it. Yes. But let's see. So basically, what I did is, um, there are things called target date funds, and I think we've talked about them before. So I'll I'll summarize it pretty briefly, but it. It's this idea, they're not perfect, but they're this one-stop shop for your investment where, in theory, you tell them what year you want to retire, and they adjust what you have in your investments to be appropriate for that age. That's how my 401k is. Yeah. A lot of people's default investment in their 401k, not everybody has a default investment, is a target date fund. Um, So you'll know by they tend to end in a date, 2020, 2030, 2040, 2045. They tend to come in five-year increments. Um. I think they work better for younger people than older people. There's some flaws. They're not perfect, but like they're not terrible. And to keep the burden of work reasonable on myself, basically what I did is I looked at a 2045 because that would be about how long they'd have in the future when they got their money. And then like instead of just waiting because that's 25 years. So basically what I did is I did them 2045, five years I put them into a 2040 allocation. Five years later I put them into 2035. So I basically looked up. This what is as the, in if they defected now. No, so I did it in 1980, but I used this for what their money should be in. So okay. if they retired, if retired, let's say they got their nine million when they were 40. Oh. That's the equivalent of someone right now who's in a 2045. Oh, okay. okay. Because that's about 25 years from now. And so, you're just matching the allocation. Right. And like, all I'm doing is saying, okay, let's use that to determine how much stocks they should have, how much bonds they should have, how much risk they should take. Sure. Um. Because they would be 40, and that is an appropriate fund for someone who's 40 right now and is about 20 to 25 years from retirement. I was going to say, you may not know this, but our target date funds is somewhat new, like, uh, invention. Yeah, in they're investing. not super long. They're, I, I think, wonder, right before the financial crisis, maybe a oh. little bit around that okay. time. That's interesting. I would have thought they would have corresponded more with, like, the creation of IRAs. But I, well, let's say, let's see. When were IRAs created? In the early 90s, I think. Really? Yeah. This is all very interesting to me because it's sort of the thing that I just assumed was around. Introduced <laughs> in the early 1930s. Though I don't know they Whoa. took off for quite a while. Or, sorry, 1930s. 1990s. My apologies. <laughs> my apologies. Whoa. Uh, yeah, though I don't know that when they I mean, really It's not took a very off. complex idea. I wouldn't imagine some guy in the 30s came up with Well, it. I just, I guess, in, like, you know, you think about before that there were, like, pensions. savings plans oh, for a sure. while. Yeah, they basically came. Here's what happened. Pensions disappeared. Which and the investment rude. the investment industry looked at the world and went, hmm, we could either teach every person the fundamentals of investing and how to manage their own money, or we could do it for them or do the and try way. to make it idiot-proof. And they decided that they went that route. Oh, so, boy. Although 1990s. I would say, like, in a public education, getting more uh, information about money and investing would be a good choice. I hard agree with that, but that's... I mean, there's lots of things a about the educational issue, system you know? that I would maybe want to change, but, like, uh, up in there is that. But anyway, so just to kind of be clear what I did, I basically took what should their allocation be when they're 40, when they're 45, when they're 50, when they're 55, when they're 65, and then picked what's called an income fund, which is just, like, then through the rest of their life, basically. Okay. Um, and I gave them five years in each one because that's when target dates tend to, like, flip over and basically just started it. So there's a lot of math on the page, but basically all it is is here's all their money that they got. Put it into the, like, types of 
uh, investments that they should be in, withdraw 3.5% every year. And a lot of times you actually do that based on your first year, but I just withdraw it every, withdrew that much every year, and then change their investments every year to go back to what it should be. What do you mean by uh, the first year being different? So when you start to draw down on uh, money you have in retirement, you the first year you would take 3%. Right. And then there are a bunch of different theories of practice of like what, how you should adjust that number based on like how your how the year went portfolio performed and what you actually wound up needing and like all these different factors that you then adjust that number by a much smaller amount up or down. So yeah, let's say the first year you were allowed to take based on your three percent. I'm not even do the math of what this is, but let's say it's fifty grand. Okay. In theory, the next year, you don't also take 3% of your portfolio. You could, but normally what you do is maybe you take more if it's been a great year in the market, or maybe you take less if it's been a terrible year in the market because you don't want to draw down as much, or maybe you always take 50 grand, but you index to to inflation, not to what your investments did, but you don't really take 3% of your thing every year. You set like, okay, here's 3%. Now, every year there forward, I'm going to adjust it based on that amount. Is this the sort of thing that you would talk over with an accountant? Yes. Like, okay. All right. And more like a, a financial advisor. A financial advisor. Really, yeah. where they would run, you know, because it, it depends on who you are, right? If you have a crazy amount of money, then you probably can afford to take a little more, especially when the markets are up. If you have a certain amount less, maybe you want to focus only on keeping up with inflation. If you have, like, so, like, there's this is why I think financial advisors and maybe I'm biased because, you know, I am you are one, one. <laughs> but this is why I think this job won't die because the accumulation phase, they can do a ton to help you better your taxes, get you in a good situation, do a lot of things, but really the drawdown phase is where it gets really complicated and you want that help with peace of mind and software and everything else to make sure that yeah, you're not going to run out of money. Right. Yeah. Um, but basically, so that's what I did is I just said, okay, I, so I just, like I said, I simplified it. So they just took out three percent, three and a half percent is actually I think what I picked every year, which isn't perfect, but, but it a gets good us a benchmark. ballpark. Yeah. Um, especially because in theory, because they're so young, they might not want to do it to inflation because it will change a little bit more, right? Um, and then I did, every year I did what's called rebalancing, um, which is basically just saying, you know, if you, Liz, put 50% of your money in stocks and 50% of your money in bonds because you think that's the right amount of risk for you. Mm-hmm. Well, if stocks grow 10% and bonds grow 5%, you're not 50-50 anymore. Right. Right? Your stocks have grown more than your bonds. So it's basically just... Selling out of the winner to buy the loser, which sounds counterintuitive, but it kind of forces you to sell high, buy low, which is what you want to be doing. And it also gets your risk back to whatever you want it to be. If your bonds grow really well, you would be too conservative. You might want to put more into stocks. If your stocks grow really well, you might be too aggressive. You want to put more into bonds. It kind of gets you back to like your home base. Okay. So I did that every year. And then every five years, I also did a rebalancing, but into that new allocation. Does that make sense? So it's not just, oh, you wanted to be 50-50. One went up more than the other. We got it back to 50-50. But you now want to be 60-40. Mm-hmm. So we'll sell whatever did better and get you actually into 60-40. Okay. And then 70-30 and whatever. A lot of math. And I'm, I, I mean, there's no way there's like 40 years worth of data here. So I sure. can't go through it all. <laughs> but the big thing is that we got to actually do it with real returns. Because yeah. we have those returns. Now, I couldn't find it all the way back. So I actually started in 84. Okay. Uh, just because there was a couple of things I couldn't find. And I didn't want to, like, not have 
an allocation I needed for a few years because that would skew a bunch of stuff. So, but that's still within the scope of the show. So if they yeah. wanted to, and like, do yeah, it's not like they're gonna like defect yeah, and like, get the it. money right away. Like, yeah, I mean, you got you know. the that was kind of how plan. I justified it. They'd have two or three years of like debriefing and being under like probably living in some sort of military base or under like full time security, and, yeah, and yeah. then would get their money once they kind of got debriefed on everything they could have gotten debriefed on and sent to go live on a farm in Nebraska or whatever the hell they decided Upstate. to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, does that mean we killed them too? Uh, yeah. Quietly and in their sleep, they moved upstate. <laughs> so I have the 3 million, 6 million, and 9 million number. Where you want to start? Let's start low and work our way up. Yeah. All right. So here's the good news, bad news for them. <laughs> they are doing... Very well in all of these situations. I As hope so. They have <laughs> several million <Yes>. dollars. <laughs> As you would imagine, actually, even with the market returns and the rebalancing, this kind of proves the point of like these equations and why they work the way they work. They start at three million and they basically end at three million. At the end of their life? Because they uh, get murdered in, immediately. <laughs> yeah, the next day. No, in 2018. So they'd in oh. theory still, I mean, they'd be in their 70s, so they could still have more life in front of them. The point is, they've actually done a pretty good job of maintaining their level of assets. Good which job, is, again, Elizabeth the whole point. Yeah. So that's good news. Bad news is. And that's bad news, right? And what you'll see is the numbers will get bigger, but because the returns are the same and the drawdown is the same, that's going to be pretty similar in every case. They'll go from $3 million to about $3 million, $6 million to about $6 million, $9 million to about $9 million. Sure. Okay. Here's the problem with that. You know, the good news, bad news for them. The At bad that, news is they still have $3 million. Yes, that's terrible. <laughs> no, so the good news about what that a shame. is that you still have $3 million. The bad news about that is Basically, that means you're drawing out the same amount in the 1980s as, as you, you are in the 2018s. And that's not enough money to live on. It's plenty of money to live on, but you're living very differently yeah. because of inflation, right? So basically, it means you're drawing out about $100,000 if you're making $3 million. A year. A year. Okay. And in today's world, plenty to live on, I'm sure. Plenty to live on now. You know, a, a decentish life. Oh, for sure. But, but if you got used to having $100 million in, in 80s the money. 80s, you're living very differently. You've basically had to taper down your lifestyle continually. Well, and maybe that's actually kind of accurate because, like, Paige and Henry would need to go off to college and, like... Yeah. Theoretically, they would own any house that they would have had. Yeah, they could buy it free and clear. I mean, your expenses do go down generally in retirement. They Not tell maybe you, that much. Um, well, they, I mean, one of the reasons is you don't maybe have to save costs, anymore. different though. Right? Like, yeah. you don't have to save. Like, yeah. right. if you're saving 5, 10%, 20% of your income, whatever you're used to saving, you start retirement, that just goes away. And yes, in That's theory, nice. your kids fly the coop and your house gets paid down. Problem is, if you're actually retired and you have more free time, sometimes your travel expenses or whatever goes up. It's actually, this is another reason, though, that a lot of people, financial advisors suggest you actually, so you'll probably spend more early in retirement than later because once you get a certain age, like, you just won't travel you won't be able to so Your like, brittle bird bones yeah exactly yeah. so i mean basically in february of 1981 three million dollars is the equivalent of about eight and a half million in 2018 money that's okay. the inflation factor about three a little under three okay so that's good because that's a ton of money in the 80s yeah but it means that they are now basically they went from living like they had eight and a half million dollars in savings to living like they have $3 million in savings, which is still a lot of money, and for every peep, for every person, that would be great. Like, you, you want that. However, 
It's a big adjustment. It's a big adjustment downward. Yeah. In terms of lifestyle. So that would be the interesting thing. Now, the other thing I don't know here is how the government would let them live. Right. Just because they it can't be very flashy. Yeah. Would they let them live the lifestyle of an eight and a half millionaire? I don't know. Well, also, like, how would they receive this money necessarily? Yeah, I don't know if it'd be a lump sum or... Or an annuity or something. Or would they have to, like, keep working for the U.S. government and receive a salary of this, like, amount? Yeah, that would be equivalent. I have no idea. But... So now that's the bad news for them. Yes. The good news is at this point, they'd be, (laughs) well, yeah, but at this point they'd be in their sixties or seventies. So probably even a little bit sooner than this, they maybe could start drawing down more. Depends on what they want to pass on. But that's the other thing is like, they've been able to maintain, which is great, but in theory, you're not going to live forever. So they could also start upping the amount at some point they take out with the assumption they'd run out of money. Just trying to time it to be like at a hundred or like some amount that like, You'll leave a little bit to your kids, but not all three million, and it's okay to drain. And Paige and Henry don't really deserve it. They're kind of shitty kids. I'm just gonna say it. Henry needs. Henry needs guidance. Henry needs <laughs> a stronger hand in his life. And Paige, Paige needs a therapist. But like, yeah, uh, I'm not sure I've gotten far enough to like. They're starting to do a lot more with Paige. Henry is kind of just like a ball of clay yep. in the first three seasons. <laughs> yep. So I don't know if that changes, but like. He's just kind of there for the occasional quip, and then they go, okay, Henry, and, and ship him off to school. Henry does that kind of thing where he, like, says hi in one episode. The next episode, he shows up, and he's three feet taller and, like, ten feet wider. Not ten feet wider. <laughs> he's he morbidly, morbidly obese and <laughs> dies in the next episode. That's so disturbing. Uh, no, I do think that there comes a time in this series, though, when they're like, why did we give them two kids? Like, yeah, because we don't know what to do with Henry. Because, uh, yeah, they're starting, like I said, to do some stuff about Paige, and they keep just kind of being like, oh, and also Henry is Oh, yeah, around. and we have another kid. <laughs> that apparently uh, lives at his friend's house because pretty much every episode we need to talk, someone mentions him and goes, he's at Billy's. He's, he's at Don's. He's at uh, whatever. <laughs> There's uh, we'll no spoilers because, like, right, we'll yeah, yeah, we we haven't seen the end of it, so we don't even know what happens to Henry. But like, uh, that kid needs a parental figure around in the ma- in a major way. In a major way. Um, so the nice thing is, it actually scales pretty nicely. So that's three million. They get about a hundred thousand. Five million. They start with five. They end with about. Well, they start with six. They end with about six. And they draw down about 200 the entire way. And nine, it's about 300. So they start with about nine, they end with about nine, and they draw down 300. But they're kind of in the same problem every time. They are in the same problem every time. I would argue it's less of a problem in the higher numbers. I can only imagine. Just because they have that many more millions of dollars. Also, <laughs> if you have a, a upper limit on how much you're allowed to spend or like what you're even allowed if, to even express if you outwardly. Don't, like you go from luxurious in a hundred thousand to like upper middle, but like upper middle class. Yeah. At three hundred thousand you go from like super one percent to one percent. Yeah. Right? Like so like I think the things you have to give up Going from, oh, we have to get rid of three of our boats and two of our summer homes to just having two homes right. and, like, a boat. <laughs> two, you have to go from, You've... I have a, like, 9,000-acre mansion to, I own place. a house in the suburbs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, it's a very different, I feel like, fall from grace. 
in the same way if someone was like, you know, and I mean, obviously this feels rough to these people, but if someone was like, hey. <laughs> it sounded so full of fake sympathy. But you know, like if someone came up to you and was like, I'll give you a million dollars. And yes. someone came up to Bill Gates and said, I'd give you $20 million. In theory, he's getting 20 times the amount that you're getting. And it means... The amount it matters to you is so much more impactful. Oh. Like, there is a, mar- what's called the, uh, like, marginal, uh, what is the economic term? But marginal utility, where things get less useful. We go back to that a- Apple example from last time, right? Because I want to talk about Apple apples. Podcasts. But, like, if you have one apple and you get a second one, it's valuable. If you have 10,000 apples and you get a 10,000 and first, it's not valuable. Right. Yeah. In fact, it might even be a pain in the ass. Now that, I don't know ever that happens with money, but like if you get another dollar, another $10,000 when you have 50 million, it doesn't have the same impact as you go from, I have a thousand in my bank account to I have 11,000. So like, I guess it could bump you into a different tax bracket, but it doesn't seem to matter much for one percenters. So <laughs> there you go. They don't pay taxes. No. They don't pay taxes. Like, apparently Jared Kushner no. just came out. He hasn't paid income taxes in years. Oh, what the Delightful. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, read you, up on that. Uh, oh, what you a lovely put them on, You put all your money on an island uh, somewhere out in the middle of the ocean, yeah, and, and you, you just tell the U.S. government it doesn't exist. Right. And that's yeah. how it works. So, I, I mean, again, it sounds stupid. Like, it's less bad when you have tens of millions instead of having one. Mi- yeah, no shit. <laughs> but, like, in an actuality, I think, like, the loss of spending power, unless they got super used to it, and even then I have no sympathy, but, like, if they were trying to live casual lives with maybe a little bit of unseen luxury, like they told people they were going on vacation to Connecticut and actually they actually went, went on safari Cancun, or whatever, yeah. like, but like the difference in your lifestyle, like $300,000 today is still a shit ton of money to live on. Yeah. Yeah. $100,000 is a lot of money to live on, way more than the average person makes. But like... <sighs> You like you could find uses for more. Yes. Yeah. I do not know what I would do with three hundred thousand dollars. Light it on fire, it I away. guess, to keep myself warm. Yeah. yeah like give it a chair. Like I don't I know. I will say the thing that I'm most upset about in this episode is that now I'm acutely aware of how Poor much I poorer I am uh-huh. than Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> it won't matter at all if Bill Gates gets twenty million dollars and I just sat here salivating like a dog sitting in front of a big old bone. Let me tell you something about. I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast before about a billion dollars. If you spent a thousand dollars a day. <laughs> Since the birth of Christ, you would not have spent a billion dollars yet. Oh, Lord. I, and that man has tens of those things. I hate it. And again, that he's been very never, good about giving his money oh, away, sure. but, like, yeah. but like, it's that just that amount of money. Happen. That's like the whole thing. It just made me so mad when everyone's like, Jeff Bezos giving his employees a raise. He got a, they got a $2 an hour raise. First of all, he also took away a bunch of like stock purchase oh, and bonus plans. So some stuff, of them yeah. are actually worse off. And second of all, that man has so, like, you can't spend that amount of money. I don't no. think he can. And well, like, he's going to try really hard to build his space station. Oh, yeah. yeah he wants to go move yeah. to Mars. The Death so. Star. Yeah. Uh, maybe cost that much. but The Amazon you, Death Star. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like, at some point, it's like, when rich people do nice things, and, like, a lot of them are pledging to give away a lot at their death. That's a new thing sure. that I'm into. But, like, I'd like when, to see them try. <laughs> when rich to people, die. <laughs> when rich people are like, I gave away $100,000. I'm like, that ma- money matters so little to you yeah. as a six billionaire that's like me I bought giving some, someone five bucks like, yeah it's like i bought some stuff at the bake sale too like don't yeah. brag you yeah know? but again and it's not even like that because their money is making so much money like yeah it's not that like five dollars doesn't even if i invested it doesn't change my life because it makes pennies but like for them like you'll make that back 
so quickly. Breathing. It's not even yeah. like yeah. you're spending it at all. I mean, I think it was um, Neil deGrasse Tyson once did like uh, a look at like what if he he was like I pass dimes on the street. I know that's like elitist of me, but it's not worth my time to stop and pick them up. I stop for quarters or better. And then he did his wealth compared to Bill Gates. He's it was an something like, yeah, <laughs> it was something like Bill Gates shouldn't stop for anything less than like a thousand five hundred dollars. I don't actually know what the number is. Look it up on your own. You but can't he did tell this. me that that man doesn't see a twenty dollar bill in the street. Oh, and I'm think, sure he does. <laughs> I'm gonna go get a venti latte. <laughs> no, what he does is he says, "Someone go get that for me." Yeah. Um, but Leap, like, get back there and get it. You can look up the actual thing, but it was like the amount of money, like based on his like interest and the same amount of net worth, and it was some stupid amount. Like if he saw five hundred dollars on the street, he'd be better off just passing it by. Like, oh, I don't feel like bending over. There's a chance I could throw out my back. Like, yeah. uh, eat the rich. <laughs> eat yeah. the rich. Eat the Here rich. We are. <laughs> I think a lot of stuff we come back to comes back to that. Like, if you've got more than a billion dollars, you should give it away or we'll eat the rich. I don't think the Jolly Ollie man uh, counts as the rich, though. <laughs> in this case, he is yeah. rich he in ice cream. He's being kind of a yeah. dick, though. <laughs> He's being a dick. I don't know if we should eat him. But. <laughs> uh, just part. push over his yeah. <laughs> I will Property say, damage, though, not personal if damage. any of my friends or family are Russian spies, if you want to let me know, I'll take no. the cool three million. No. I mean, I don't Dan, need the nine. You don't want to know. Oh, I will turn that in a heartbeat th- for three million. Not well, great things happen to the people who find out. Yeah, that's like, true. They mostly get killed. I was gonna say, like, if you are one yourself, go ahead and defect and get three best, million dollars. That sounds great. Best case scenario, he eat me. <laughs> <laughs> best case scenario, you go and live in Russia in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that is true. It's yeah. a little bleak. <laughs> that's winning in in this scenario. I'm sure Russia Today would be fine. I don't know. You've been on the internet. I have been on the internet, but that doesn't mean anything. I don't know what's true anymore. No, that's true. no one does. Yeah. Who can say? Well, that's why you have to get a dash cam. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way to know it's true. To know what Russia's like now. <laughs> yeah. The roads seem nice. Just endless highways, though. All right. That's all I had. That's all you had. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. don't be a Russian spy. Uh, but if you do, take the money and run, I guess. And if you are... 7, 18, Q, no, no, frosted no. cream. <laughs> frosted cream. I have activated my agents all over the U.S. The Manchurian candidate. <laughs> Seriously, though, the people who um, just, like, answer their phones, um, seems like a pretty cush job, all things considered. Oh, they're, like, phone Yeah, they have people? that, like, one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just watched, not to spoil, one of them gets killed. Yeah. Well, yeah. That seemed like bad news. Their, new, their second person. Their new person, one seems nice. Yeah. <laughs> She's got tea. <laughs> <laughs> and borscht. And borscht. <laughs> she does have borscht, which if you're... Okay, that's another thing. Don't defect to Russia if what you're not it? into beet soup. Cold <laughs> beet soup, I think. No, yeah. thank you. It's like ceviche, but with beets. <laughs> ceviche with beets. <laughs> ceviche. <laughs> you know how we had that episode where we got real drunk by trying a lot of the liquors and the things? Yeah, you want to do that? I have no desire to try cold beet soup. No, agreed. Uh, I think beets taste like dirt, and cold beets that are liquefied just sounds like I dirt like juice. I like beets. They do taste like dirt, but I like them. But I don't need cold beet juice, effectively. Cold beet juice. Uh, it'll make your poop turn red. <laughs> to come right back full yeah. circle. <laughs> but what will it do to I'm consistency? <laughs> consistency. That's one year, people. Damon gestures his hands like an Italian chef. <laughs> Dan left the room again. Liz. Thanks for listening to Make Believe Money. I've been Liz. I've been Damon. You guys are the worst. <laughs>
thanks for listening to us for a full year. I'm really glad that we figured out the thing that'll get Dan to leave the room. <laughs> uh, uh, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. And uh, tell a bunch of people about us because we've been around for a year. It would be great to keep this going. Um, we'll we'll keep you posted about any updates on that front. Uh uh, thanks as always to our composer Charles e. Miller for her music email us with your thoughts and suggestions for episodes and junk like that at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com non poop related non poop related apparently although I don't want to limit you um, <laughs> Damon and I will happily do a just two person episode about yeah. poop <laughs> send us your caca facts oh no <laughs> I am not <laughs> no that's too far even for me <laughs> Uh, would that that'll, be bonus that'll just content? take us to a weird part of the internet that I don't feel good about going down. <laughs> bonus content. Uh, thanks as always for listening to Make Believe Money, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Super gross.